Hey everyone, this is Derek Stone and Conrad Geringer, and you're listening to the Working Triathlete Podcast. Yeah, so it's, what is it, Wednesday? I'm racing on Saturday, so I did, I did like a, a five miler today, and it, every time you run, you just realize how you have to respect <laughs> this race because it is so hot. And I was absolutely drenched. It was like a 35 minute run. And it's it's no joke. I keep saying it. I keep saying it to the athletes racing here who, who we coach. And I have to keep reminding myself that you have to adjust your, your pacing. You have to listen to your body. You have to key off a heart rate. You know, different athletes, different athletes do better in the heat than others. And you have to be honest with yourself. If you have a high sweat rate, you need to adjust. So it one key is going to be exercising restraint. Uh, so tomorrow the uh, women go off and and also a few age group, uh, male age groups. And I had a meeting with with Anthony earlier today, and so he's in the twenty five to twenty nine age group. And we talked a lot about letting go of any pace expectations uh not necessarily pace expectations but like velocity expectations mm-hmm. um you know you can pace yourself off of power um so you need to keep off of power and heart rate and on the run the uh, basically it is essential to not overcook the first few miles so you, you know you, you come off of the bike you run down ali'i um and then you turn around and you run back up ali'i uh, to the transition area, and then you run up Palani. And I think the the run down Alihi is maybe two or three miles. I, it's a different turnaround point this year. And then you you turn around, and that's flat. That's flat. It's along the ocean. Everybody feels good. Everybody's going to be rolling. And then they hit Palani at you know say the the five ish mile mark, and it is a steep hill. And then you run up Palani, and then you get on the Queen K, and the Queen K goes north. That's the desolate hellscape. I like to refer to it as, and uh, it's it's going to be a test. So, you know, we're all excited uh, to race, but we're all going to be wise when we're racing. That's yeah. that's the key. It seems like this year is back to the traditional Kona weather. I know there was one or two years where it was pretty mild. I know, I think it was 2018, maybe 2019 too. And yeah. uh, with your experience there, it seems like it's been brutally warm and humid yes i mean conditions they can certainly vary uh conditions were perfect i believe the last time they had well you're right 20 2018 i think 2019 was the last time we had kona Mm -hmm. and that conditions were a little bit harder in 2019 than 2018 2018 when patrick lang won he uh i know that 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 was the year you know the bike course record was broken i think the run course record was broken super fast so it was an outlying year mm-hmm. T- times were very fast i think daniela biked like a, a 420 something um worth went four oh what, what did he go 407 maybe um but it's who, who knows it's looking like it's going to be a normal kona this year it's going to be hot <laughs> yeah yeah uh, mid 80s and and sunny so but you want it to be hard. It's the world championships. You want the full painful experience. So you signed uh, up for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We did the the underpants run yesterday. 
So uh, a few of us went over. So the underpants run is, it occurs every week, uh, the week of the Ironman World Championships in Kona. And basically everybody shows up and they've run 1.5 miles in their underpants. And all the money goes to to local charities uh, in Hawaii. So it's it's a good cause, but it's kind of funny because I learned, uh, my, so Mike Riley, he, he was there, he was one of the announcers and he sort of led the run on a scooter and he, <laughs> he was talking about the history a little bit. And apparently it started, uh, you know, like 30 years ago as a, as a protest against, uh, certain athletes, they brought up certain German athletes who would just wear their speedos everywhere. Um, including, you know, into restaurants and stores. And, and this was a protest against, you know, being scantily clad and, and walking into all of the establishments. And uh, it was just a 1.5 mile run in underpants. But then soon, soon after that, uh, you know, they realized that, hey, we can make an event out of this and raise money for that goes to a good cause. So, you know, we, we had to do it. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other athletes and spectators, family members who who did it. And it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. It looked like a lot of fun. And that's cool. I didn't know that was part of the history of it. And that makes it a lot more unique too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. You know, you hear about it, you see it every, every year. Um, but if you go on my Instagram, I posted a, a video of it. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but so you are obviously tapering for the world championships, the Ironman world championships in Kona, Hawaii. And, you know, other athletes, you know, with working triathlete and, and many other athletes around the world are prepping for the last A race of the season, whether it's Kona or the 70.3 World Championships or something else. And today we want to talk about, you know, what people should be doing in the off season. You know, we see a lot of different people, you know, that have different goals and and how they structure their training or what they want to do. And um, just wanted to talk about why we should be putting in the effort during the off season, because this is the time to really build that base and build that engine. Um, consistency matters. And this is a great time to work on opportunities and weaknesses, and then also capitalize on strengths as well. Exactly. And the, uh, the off season is viewed differently by different athletes and, and different coaches. And there, there are a few different approaches that you can take when you embark upon off season training. But, you know, before we talk about different training approaches, I think we need to step back and think about different types of athletes and how these different types of athletes maybe should think about the off season. So, so when we're talking about the off season, we're talking about, you know, that gap, typically it's in the winter wherever, you know, you, you live. So in the Southern hemisphere, it's probably, you know, like May, June, July and the Northern hemisphere, it's November, January and main sports. So in triathlon specifically, we're, we're sort of approaching the end of the season. So, you know, what athlete, what should athletes do in November, December, and January to set themselves up for good season and, and what should they avoid? Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of athletes, they experience some pitfalls uh, and, you know, they think it's the off season and it's a free for all and they don't need to swim, bike or run. They can eat whatever they want and, and gain the off season 15 
And, you know, to a certain extent, we need to sort of loosen up the reins a bit and, uh, you know, strive for balance and, and, you know, it's okay to take a couple of weeks off and, and, and all of that. But if you have big goals, you, you have to continue training because we know that, you know, there's, if you don't do anything and you sit on your butt eating, you know, Twinkies and, and drinking beer, uh, the drop off in fitness is substantial. And, you know, it happens fairly quickly, you know, after a couple of weeks, levels of enzymes in the blood associated with endurance performance, they, they tend to decrease by about 50%, you know, just drop in VO2 max after 14 days or so of, of no activity of around 10%. Um, but, you know, and then after that, it's sort of, there's, it starts to accelerate basically after about a week. And then it does kind of start to level off after three weeks. And oftentimes, you know, you will retain that long-term fitness that you forged, but you have to develop that long-term fitness first. So especially if you're a new athlete and your volume is low, there's not necessarily reason to take off, you know, months and months in of, uh, of training, <laughs> especially throughout the holidays when you're going to be eating a lot of cookies and maybe drinking too much eggnog. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, w w when we think about the off season, we have big volume athletes who need time to, uh, uh, rejuvenate, recover, especially mentally as well as physically. Uh, but you know, there are also athletes who are constantly injured and, and they need to kind of address those injuries and, and they, maybe they should take off, you know, more time than, than somebody else. But, you know, after somebody's last sort of a race, uh, in the fall, say I mean, the majority of athletes we coach are sort of Europe and U S based and they, their last race is, is usually October, November. Uh, what do you typically prescribe as the immediate, uh, approach after in the days after their, uh, their race? Yeah. If it's a, if it's their last race of the season or last big race, I have them do generally two weeks completely off. Some athletes that are a little antsy that second week, I may give them like an optional activity. So I, I give them the discretion to do like 30 minutes, but, but low load bearing activities, you know, you know, spinning on the bike or in the pool. Um, and then after that, it really depends on the athlete, but you know, in the winter or I guess early winter or early spring, there's a lot of athletes too, that will tend to sign up for like a, a run race. So a single event. Um, and that's a good time to put in a block for either, you know, run training, swim training, or cycling training and really develop that, that skill set there. So, yeah, but to answer your question, first two weeks, generally going to be off completely, spend some time with the family, you know, catch up on other things they need, need to. And, uh, like you said too, they need to mentally reset as well, because, it is a lot, obviously physically, but mentally to be on it every day. You know, some athletes have to wake up really early every single morning to get their workouts in. It's good for them to just step back for a couple of weeks and reset. Yes, agreed. And I'm not only thinking about, you know, higher volume athletes who just need to give their bodies time to recover, just athletes who train a lot. But I'm also thinking about the moms and the dads who we work with, who have kids, they have full-time jobs and they're training and, you know, maybe they're only training 12 hours a week, but 
they're waking up early, like you said, those athletes, especially, you know, they should embrace this two week sort of transition period where they should not put any pressure on themselves to, uh, maintain or, or build any fitness. I mean, you want to detrain a little bit. That is okay. Um, you know, one interesting thing that the studies show is yes. So these, these enzymes that I was talking about, you know, they'll decrease a bit, uh, you know, your aerobic capacity will go down a bit with two weeks off, but the, the infrastructure or the pipes. So I'm thinking about those, that those capillaries that, you know, deliver blood that from, you know, deep into the the muscles to get the, the the oxygenated oxygenated blood and so those working muscles that we we develop these these this capillary density substantially through just volume like zone two work you know along with all training but but this type of infrastructure which you build over time and you can only build it over time with consistency that remains which mm-hmm. is kind of cool and uh so my point is two weeks off, you're not losing any of that long-term deep fitness. You know, you're just burnt. You're losing some of this, uh, these sort of chemical adaptations that, that you've had or, or developed, but that comes back quickly. Um, so, you know, athletes need to give themselves permission to, to relax a little bit and, and let the body heal itself, let that endocrine system, kind of kind of recharge oftentimes our hormones can <laughs> be out of whack um and and the body needs to kind of get back to to a homeostasis that's that's healthy and good um so yeah we need to to remember that and athletes who have been dealing with a nagging injury especially you know if they need to take more time off to really rehabilitate the beginning of the off season is the time to do it um so, so these are some considerations and, you know, when we think about cabin fever or going crazy over this, say two week period two two, I agree with you, two weeks is a, is a good amount of time just to take off from unstructured training, but you know, it, it doesn't mean we can't go for walks. We can't go for hikes. We can't go for a spin with our kids or, or even, you know, some swims. Uh, but the goal there is not to build fitness. The goal there is to just get the blood flowing and do it because we actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. We want, maybe we want to learn how to enjoy training in and of itself rather than, you know, training to a structured or rigid plan with the sole goal of building fitness and getting faster. You know, we can just go out and enjoy ourselves. So, you know, when a building athletes two week transition period, I was like, you know, a few days off completely. And then some active recovery integrated in there, like 30 minutes, super low intensity. And it's also a good time to do uh, alternative sports, you know, outside mm-hmm. of swim, bike, run, you know, maybe you want to roller skate around your neighborhood <laughs> or uh, I don't know, mountain bike or, or cross country ski or something. Off season is a good time to do, do this, all that. Um, but uh I do think it's still good to be active. I think there's a benefit no matter what to get in some blood flowing, but that doesn't mean that the training has to be structured or, or, uh, you know, super purposeful. Um, but, you know, having said all this, if, if an athlete is really not working out that much. So if I'm thinking about athletes who are just generally not consistent, um, for whatever reason, and maybe they're only working out five, six hours a week and then never accrued a huge amount of load, 
you know, maybe these athletes don't need to do nothing for two weeks. Um, so, you know, as oftentimes as age groupers or working professionals, you know, certain athletes, they, they, they never dig a deep fatigue hole anyway. So, you know, sometimes even those athletes do need a break, but, uh, it's also okay for these athletes to maybe only take a few days off after their a race and then sort of ramp back up with some, some easy, uh, easy workouts. Yeah, that's a good point. Like when you think about athletes that are on a really low volume regimen, or if they're not consistent, it, it's almost like just a consistent exercise where they're just prolonging throughout the year and, and not taking any time off. Um, but yeah, if someone's every athlete's gonna be different, every circumstance is gonna be a little bit different, but generally speaking, the athletes that are training at a higher load and they're accruing that fatigue, like you mentioned, and just putting in a lot of time, they need that, that break. Um, the next step I like to take is looking at athletes opportunities. You know, a lot of athletes are adult learn swimmers and they tend to, you know, have inefficiencies in their stroke. And so I, I like to build a swim block for a lot of athletes and really spend the time focusing on the drills that they need to focus on to develop the stroke uh, review video is always good. Have them capture video, have them see it too, because I found that athletes that take the video and then they look at it themselves, they can then realize there's certain things that they can, they can change because everyone feels like they're doing the stroke correctly in the water until they actually see it on video. Agreed. This concept of block training in the off season, uh, and targeting, one discipline over the others more often, uh, most often I would say, if we're going to do this, it is like you said, uh, it's, it's trying to get certain athletes faster in the water with a really strong focus on swim frequency and, uh, technique, um, even, and, you know, enhancing certain uh, like flexibility and, and strength as well. So certain mm-hmm. athletes, you know, maybe they're, they're constantly injured or they, they lack just the ability to put up force or, or they have muscle imbalances. You know, it's a good time to do sort of a strength block, a strength training block. Um, it's the off season is great because you don't have to, you're not really giving up, uh, your ability to perform in, in the other, you know, swim, bike run, because potentially the, uh, uh the, the need to be race ready is, is lower in the off season. So that's where you want to build that strength and, and hopefully that strength will, will last. So, you know, building strength, flexibility is good. And also honing technique is, is massively beneficial. Um, and, and we also know that this concept of like of block training, it is simply a way after a certain point, it might even be the only way really to, to really take steps forward in certain disciplines. Um, you know, you're doing an outsized load in one of the the disciplines and the gains that you, uh, achieve from it, they, they can linger, you know, you'll mm-hmm. lose a little bit once you start integrating other disciplines back in, but you know, th- there's a lot of evidence out there that, uh, block training is, is an effective way to, uh, improve in, in, in one area, especially. And, and I do think that with a lot of adult learned swimmers and especially athletes who, you know, really good cyclists and runners. We certainly work with a few of them. Uh, the swim is, is where we, we really, we really attack, uh, the swim for the off season. And, and we've seen some really, really strong gains, 
you know, improvements of, you know, over five seconds per 100 uh, to one's T pace in the pool, or, you know, say if they improvements of, you know, five to 10 seconds in a, in a thousand per 100 in a thousand meter time trial over, you know, say a four or five month period. Um, so th these gains can happen, but you have to spend time at it and you have to work at it deliberately. Yeah. The pool is the one where you have to be the most consistent at getting in yes. almost daily. I would, I would say the winter time, if you have the opportunity, you, you know, you live close to a pool, step away from the bike and the, the run to get that time in the pool because it'll pay off. And like you mentioned, if you don't need to be race ready, it's, you can sacrifice that, that bike run for a little bit. Exactly. And we also know that, you know, it doesn't require a tremendous amount of, of load or frequency to maintain what you've already built. So, you know, there's good evidence that, you know, just with a couple workouts a week, uh, in one discipline, you can kind of maintain your, your fitness for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so, you know, especially I'm thinking about the bike, for example, if somebody, if we want to increase somebody's swim volume from two or three swims a week up to six, you know, maybe we'll, we'll eliminate a cycling workout if they truly don't have the time. Uh, and maybe they'll only do two bikes a week, you know, good focused work through the off season and not, maybe not even the whole off season, just for, you know, a couple of months, two or three months, and then we'll, uh, start doing a more balanced training regimen as the the season starts. Um, but yeah, so, so th this, this is, a uh, one good way. So block training or attacking your weaknesses is, is a good approach. Um, you know, another approach that you mentioned is selecting a sort of an alternative race or the most obvious is just a run only race. So it's just a pure running race, like a 10 K or a half marathon or something like that. A lot of times people are looking in, in the fall, late fall, early winter, early spring for those marathons. Um, I know a lot of people cross over, try to get that BQ, um, or, you know, it's just nice to change it up a little bit too, because as you know, going out to Kona, it is a production getting out there, getting your bike and everything else. And oh, yeah. when you show up to a run race, it's pretty damn easy. You have a pair of shoes that you're wearing to the race and then probably your race shoes. And you can shed every other layer you need to, depending on how, how warm or how cold the temperature is. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, skiing too, or cross-country skiing. Obviously in the South, you don't really have the opportunity, but I know in the North, you know, it's a little bit more common up here or, or even like downhill skiing, which isn't going to really build your, your aerobic capacity, but it can certainly build strength in your legs, uh, which it could be an opportunity as well. Exactly. And, you know, there is some crossover benefit when we think about just cross-country skiing, the, uh, the best in the world have some of the highest VO2 maxes of, of any athlete in any sport. Um, the highest recorded VO2 maxes are from cross-country skiers. So cross-country skiing is a good, a good approach. And, you know, I think one, one reason we, we often see that is they, they do big volume. So, you know, an additional approach during the off season is to, um, just spend more time doing easy volume and building the foundation, you know, the traditional base and doing just more zone two sort of foundational work and, and really building that infrastructure I was talking about earlier about like capillary density. Um, so 
the uh, doing just big volume over the winter can can pay off uh, and and just building that fitness across all disciplines in a balanced manner is is a fine approach and you know I, I would also say so I know we t- we talked about um, you know prioritizing the swim for certain athletes in the off season you know a counter approach is for athletes who do have a swim background and and who are already have that, uh, it's, it's doing the opposite. So, you know, focusing on bike and run. And I know, you know, last season I was reading an article about Ben Hoffman and, you know, this is, he's sort of in the winter of his career, sort of in the last year or two here, he's still really fit. He's, he won Ironman Texas, I believe this year. And he's, he's here at Kona and I'm sure he's going to throw down. He, he knows how to get it done here. But he actually took quite a while off swimming, or at least the article said that he he was or did. Um, so, and he focused on you know other other things, knowing that with within a few weeks his swim would be, you know, at a competitive level again. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, every athlete is different, and it's worth talking to your coach or thinking about you know yourself individually what you could benefit most from on a long term basis. So we have to think about, you know, an athlete's long-term goals. And I don't even mean immediate season goals. I mean, in five years, where do they want to be in three years? Where do they want to be? You know, if, if it, that should govern how one approaches the off season. These are just some training approaches that, that we see. And the, the other thing we should think about before, before I uh, propose another topic of conversation. What are there any other training approaches that the, the one thing I'd say is, yeah, you, you already alluded to this a little bit, but you know, obviously swimming is the time to focus on technique during the off season, but same thing with running and cycling too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you think about cycling and there, there is still a technique element to it. Uh, there are gains to be made, whether it's the aero position, uh, working mm-hmm. in a position or pedal efficiency. And then same with running, you know, a lot like if people don't have a run background and their biomechanics are a little out of whack it's a good time to work on drills you know every run i tell people you know it's better to shave five minutes out of the run to go through a drill set uh then then skip it and then do the full run so mm-hmm. uh just like the swimming you can definitely focus on technique on the bike and in the run as well that's uh that's a good point everybody should get a film analysis done in the pool. Um, you know, take a GoPro, film yourself. I know that. So we offer uh, form analysis, remote form analysis, Miguel Maddox, our swim coach. He does form analysis. So you can meet up with him. He can uh, film you in an endless pool or, you know, in, in a pool with the GoPro if you're in the Bay area and uh, he will identify your stroke flaws, give you drills to uh, implement so that you can, address those. Everybody should do that. And, and like you said, honing in your bike fit is also worthwhile to focus on in the off season. Um, you know, dial that in potentially work on getting more arrow, you know, if you lack flexibility or a certain range of motion, I know Derek, you have pretty (laughs) tight, tight hip flexors and your knees sort of go out, but compared to, you know, six or seven years ago, you you've worked on it and you're you look a lot more arrow, uh, at, thanks to deliberate focus and, and really working on lengthening those, uh, those muscles. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, it, it you know, and you mentioned it, it takes time. You know, all these things do take time and it's not going to happen overnight. And that's part of the reason why we want to talk about this topic, because when you mentioned the three or five year goal, you have to look that far out when you want to accomplish something and realize it does take, sometimes it does take that long to develop um, an appropriate fitness level. Or for me, it was about developing the range of mobility to get lower on the bike and, and be able to pedal without my knees sticking out. Like, you know, if you, if you watch Lionel Sanders, you know, in his early days, he was kind of similar and, uh, but yeah, everything just takes time. It does. And because again, there's no pressing need to be race ready or to develop this certain type of fitness, you know, you can kind of relax a little bit and really do the little things that you neglect in the, in the main season, because, uh, you know, oftentimes maybe if you get to the pool, you only want to do freestyle and, and hop directly into the main set, you know, fill that, feel that burn and, and, and feel that, that training stress like, d- during the season, you, you, maybe you just want to do that and be efficient, but in the off season, you know, relax a little bit, leave the watch at home, feel that water, learn how to move through it better, uh, build that awareness and, and develop a feel for the water in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the, uh, that's what most many athletes should do. Um, so, so yeah, building strength, honing technique, lock training, you know, focusing on big, developing a large foundation. All of these are different, uh, dimensions of, of an off season. Uh, so, but, uh, there are also, you know, apart from these good training approaches, we also need to think about other maybe pitfalls that, that athletes, uh, succumb to in the off season and, I do think that, you know, we coach a number of athletes and, and different athletes, uh, they sort of view the off season wildly different from one, differently from one another, uh, certain athletes, they, they view it as sort of through the lens that we've been t- discussing, which is, all right, let's, let's get better. Like, what can mm-hmm. I do now so that I can get better long-term and then other athletes, they sort of view it as kids view summer vacation, mm-hmm. i.e. they have total freedom to do whatever they want. And I don't mean whatever they want productively. I mean, they have total freedom just to pursue just a hedonistic lifestyle and uh, they sort of can lose themselves a little bit. Uh, you know, I do think it is the case that many triathletes tend to have somewhat addictive personalities. And if they channel that energy and focus and maybe obsession and in productive ways they can uh, achieve great things. And on the other hand, they're not vigilant. They can do things that are somewhat self-destructive. Uh, so, you know, just because it's the off season doesn't mean you should be drinking five craft brews every evening or, you know, mixing three cocktails every evening. Moderation is still key throughout the off season. So, so one main pitfall that I, that I see quite often with athletes is they just consume too many calories or too much alcohol. So Mm -hmm. the training load is, is lower. So you're not going to be burning as many calories. That means that you probably don't need to be continue drinking those recovery shakes. You don't need to be guzzling sports drinks or energy gels. Uh, you have to be careful, um, to make sure that you don't 
you know, put on too much unhealthy dead weight. Now mm-hmm. it is the case that athletes oftentimes they get super lean for their a race and it is unsustainable and unhealthy to remain that lean year round. So it is good to, to gain a little bit of weight for certain athletes to gain a little bit of weight. You know, if you're six, seven, eight, nine percent body fat during for your a race, that might be too lean and it could be good to actually gain a little bit of weight over the winter. But, you know, I'm not saying gain 15 pounds. I'm saying, you know, get, gain a little bit of sort of healthy weight, put on maybe a little bit of muscle, a little bit of fat. And, uh, but don't, don't go overboard because, because once you add fat, it's more difficult to remove it, you know, beyond a certain point. Um, and other athletes, it, it could be the exact opposite. The off season is a good time to, uh, lose weight because the necessity, the dire necessity of recovering from a high training load is, is lower because maybe the load itself is lower. So it's a good time to actually improve body composition, especially in the race specific build. I'm not an advocate of athletes trying to lose weight. If, if they do want to lose weight, you know, they have to lose it very slowly during the, the race season. And, and you should also lose it slowly in the off season, but there's slightly more wiggle room there. Um, because the, uh, the payments that you have to make for your body to recover are lower, uh, just cause you're not accruing as much training load in the off season. Um, so anyways, so, so one pitfall that I see that's obvious is, is this, they just eat too much <laughs> and the holidays roll around and it's sort of a vicious cycle. Um, they, they start gaining weight and then you know, January, February rolls around and they don't feel good when they start training again. And they, uh, maybe they're not going to be as consistent as immediate because they're carrying around some excess weight and they are, uh, sad. (laughs) So you'll want to be careful. If you're an athlete that truly wants to get better, it's good to form the habits that are going to help you stay consistent through the winter time. And and like Conrad mentioned, like there's going to be a time where you should probably gain a little bit of weight and there's going to be times where you're at a party and you're going to indulge and that's fine, but you can't be doing it every single day during the off season. And, you know, I, I tell a lot of athletes that I coach the, the biggest thing that's helped me with being consistent is going to bed at the same time every night. And part of this is, you know, we had a child and at, at some point you're just forced to go to bed at, at the same time, because if you don't go to sleep at a certain time, you're not going to sleep. And this has been a, a pretty good habit. You know, we, we, we tend to go to bed most nights around 9 PM and a couple things happen with that. Like one, you're not staying out too late Two, you know, I'm not having too many beers and then snacking at 9, 10, 11 PM at night. And, um, but there, like, like I said, though, there's going to be times when you're at a, a holiday party or something similar and you're going to indulge and and that's it's fine it's good to socialize it's good to have that break but you can't do it every single night absolutely moderation is key and especially as endurance athletes and endurance coaches we have to be very careful talking about just i think food because eating disorders are pretty darn rampant and uh you know we just have to tread tread carefully you know if our 
nutrition coach or the working triathlete nutrition coach was on here. I'm sure she would have, you know, really good, maybe pr- certainly better insight on, on how to approach this. And we will have her on soon uh, to discuss everything in greater detail. But the idea is just be, be reasonable, be healthy, uh, just avoid the, the, the spiral into oblivion um, when it comes to, uh, you know, especially on the alcohol front. Um, and so, so that this is certainly a consideration, you know, tweak your, uh, diet and, and make sure that you're, you're enjoying life, but not going crazy. Um, so, so that's one pitfall that we see. Another pitfall is just doing absolutely nothing for too long. And, uh, this is another, uh, issue that that we see if an athlete wants to you know reach their max potential in a given season you can't take three months off every year at the end of the year and expect to you know continue to improve and sort of reach your genetic potential in the sport you know endurance is is forged and and, and aerobic fitness is forged over months and months and years and years of consistent training and you know if you only train for one race for three months every year, the same race every year, and you don't do anything for six months, and then you start training again, you're never, you're not really going to improve. To get really good at endurance sports, it's a lifestyle, and you have to train well in November, December, January, February, and March of each year. Um, so again, y- y- you need to, I think, plan for the holidays, certainly, and you don't want to be obsessive about getting in training, obviously, because the other dimension of this is we need to contemplate that a lot of the athletes we work with are working professionals and they have families and families are more important than training. So you know, you need to strike that balance, but everybody can get in, you know, uh, execute a solid exercise regimen through the holidays. Trust me. <laughs> I work with athletes who are insanely busy. Mm-hmm. It's, I would say the busiest athletes I work with are also the most consistent because they plan for it mm-hmm. and they they want to do the work and they integrate it into their life in a way that uh, allows them not to sacrifice the more important things in life. So, so maybe to get around uh the this common pitfall of of not working out for for months and months you need to talk to your coach about scaling the plan making it feasible and also you know implementing some strategies to uh that foster consistency and if you're you're not an early riser uh you just need to make yourself an early riser I mean, mm-hmm. this is the big thing the athletes who are the least consistent who I work with they uh they typically don't work out in the morning and the, the truth is the most consistent, almost without exception, they, they get at least one workout done in the morning before say their family is awake or before, you know, the meat of the day arrives, they, they, they plan to, to knock out their workout too early so that other events, unforeseen or unforeseen circumstances arise during the day that, that could uh, prevent them from 
getting in their workout later in the day. So if you, if you make your workout a priority and do it first thing, you're going to be able to uh, capture that, that consistency that we're looking to, to capture so that you can reach the next level. Yeah. So one thing you mentioned earlier, you talked about like, if, you know, the, the snowballing effect of if someone, you know, starts to binge a little bit, you know, bad eating habits, bad drinking habits, and then they take too much time off. Part of that is, you know, a motivation factor as well. So if, you know, motivation is not always going to be there. And during the winter time, it is a little bit more difficult because it's darker. You know, generally it's a lot colder. It can be hard to get outside. Um, I've found that if you, you, you talked about planning ahead, you know, the athletes are busy. If you plan ahead and you set yourself out for the morning, when your alarm goes off, you, all you need to do is put it on and you're good to go. You know, on Monday, I, I got up early and I, I generally don't swim at 5 a.m., but I do occasionally just if I know I'm super busy one day. Uh, I like to swim at like six. You know, it's a little bit nicer. <laughs> you don't have to wake up super early. But uh, I got home and Hannah looked concerned when I walked the door. And it's because she thought I was still in bed <laughs> when she got out of bed with Bo. <laughs> and uh, so you can get up early, have your coffee, get the workout done, and do it before the family gets up because that makes life a little bit easier. Uh, but the biggest thing is if you plan ahead and you have all of your equipment out beforehand, whether it's your running shoes or you know your swim gear, it's just easier because then you're not spending 10 or 15 minutes in the morning scrambling to get it ready and negotiating with yourself whether or not you want to do it. And so it's creating those efficiencies to get it done and knocked out right away. Right. Good points. And these, these little hacks are even more important during the holidays when we're traveling and, you know, traveling to the in-laws or to the, to you know, back home to your hometown and, and uh, you know, you're, you're out of your routine and, and familiar surroundings for a while, you know, you need to adjust the plan and, especially when you're visiting family, it is important. <laughs> you got to get the workouts done early because things, things happen, events happen, you know, little day trips happen or you're spending time with your, your uh, parents or your aunts and uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, you're not going to want to maybe leave them in the middle of the, uh, the reunion during the day. So just just get it done early and and don't think about it. The key is not overthinking it. Uh, so one kind of funny story is uh, so we're in Kona right now and and we have um, a few working triathletes in our Airbnb here. We have a nice big Airbnb and I brought uh, my my trainer and we set it up on the balcony outside and it's been kind of fun observing different athletes getting ready <laughs> to do their rides. Uh, cause certain athletes, you know, it's time. Okay. They're, they're going to hop on the trainer for a 90 minute ride. And, uh, the 90 minute ride turns into this like two hour, 15 minute sort of lost time block because they, uh, you know, they, they put on their cycling shoes slowly. Then they fill up their water bottle then they, they don't want to get on the trainer. So then they do other sort of mindless things. Maybe they'll go on Instagram just, just for a second before they get on the bike or they'll uh, do one last like work task, which, which maybe is okay. But 
my point is that it's almost like they're subconsciously trying to distract themselves. So basically they're just procrastinating a little bit and they're sort of dreading getting their workout in. Uh, and that dread and uh, delay of actually just getting in the saddle and getting it done just makes it more painful. And that kind of zaps more of your mental energy than it would otherwise. So, you know, just, just don't overthink it. Just wake up and just do it, <laughs> get it done. And, and uh, you know, it's that, that five second rule. It's mm-hmm. you have five seconds to take action. Uh, don't ruminate, just, just do it. Cause at the end of the day, you know, you want to do it. Stop exploring reasons not to get it done. This is the biggest issue that, that athletes have is they, any little excuse that, you know, certain athletes have to skip a workout or scale it, they take it. And, and, you know, sometimes life happens and, and you need to, uh, deprioritize training, but more often than not, you know, athletes are, uh, just, just looking for, for excuses. Cause the, the fact of the matter is, you know, just like with having children, there is not necessarily an ideal time <laughs> to make, to make it happen. You just, you just have to do it and, uh, and knock it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's funny. And it's interesting that you had the opportunity to observe as well, because I've cut myself doing the same thing. Like uh, yesterday, for example, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride for an hour at this time. And then four minutes went by and I'm like, oh, and I knew I couldn't get the full hour in because I had a meeting at a certain time. So if you get distracted, you just got to get ready and, and get one foot out the door and you're ready to go. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, th- these are things to, to keep in mind and uh, when life gets busy, um, and throughout the off season, life certainly gets busy and, you know, it is the case that maybe, you know, there was some wiggle room to adjusting training and, and scaling training more aggressively, uh, with lower detriment for, for race day than one might experience if they were sort of half-assing it in, you want that frequency. You want to keep the habit going. You want mm-hmm. to maintain the rituals that, that we always talk about. Like you want to maintain your sleep schedule. You want to maintain the habit of working out. Uh, cause, cause once you, if you lose those habits, that's there, it's just harder to, to build them back when mm-hmm. the season rolls around. And ultimately we want to remain healthy. Physical activity is, is this an essential component of that. And if, if you value being healthy and if you value mastering yourself, you're, you should continue to, uh, do so throughout the off season. Yeah. So I wrote an article recently to one of the clubs up here about, you know, doing the things that we want to be doing, you know, and the things that we should be doing and need to be doing to get better. And, you know, we wake up every morning and we brush our teeth, we go to bed, we brush our teeth before bed. But the one thing that we need to be doing as well that is tedious and we probably don't do as frequently is floss our teeth. And that is the thing that we need to be taking into consideration when we're training as well. We got to be doing those little things that might be monotonous, uh, those little habits that help us get better and help create a healthy lifestyle. And just like flossing, you know, if you don't do it, sometimes there are consequences. Like today I had to go back in for a deep cleaning uh, because there was, you know, things that needed to be addressed. Same thing with training. If you're not doing those little things, 
you're going to have to do things later on that need to be addressed. Yeah, it's it's all about the fundamentals, you know. Um, just nail the fundamentals, the little things. So so there's there's little things, but then there are like other things that are irrelevant that you know I think athletes like to obsess over and waste a lot of time on. The, the main thing to nail it's it's the fundamentals, which is just showing up every day and getting in the stimulus. That's that's number one. And then secondary to all of this is, you know, the inside tracker uh, subscription is the whoop subscription. Now, I love all these things. They can be helpful, but you don't need a glucose monitor if you're not doing the work. You know, you need something to optimize first uh, before you get the tools that you know can enable you to get that last quarter percent or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of these things are distractions. And, you know, obsessing over whether or not to drink athletic greens or something like that is not worth it. First, obsess about fitting in the supporting sessions. It's finding 90 minutes a day to do the work that will make you a better athlete and figuring out how to convince yourself to go to bed early (laughs) so that you can get, you know, those eight hours approximately, give or take. Um, So I think it's... uh, the off season is a good time to remind ourselves that it is really about the fundamentals and, you know, let's build a good foundation, nail the basics. That goes a long way. Very few people nail the basics. If you can nail the basics, recover well, eat well, you're gonna improve and you're gonna, you know, compete, compete well and, and approach your, your potential in the sport and you'll have more fun doing it. Um, but you know, of course, these things aren't aren't sexy. Mm-hmm. There aren't Instagram ads telling you to buy, uh, you know, something that would allow you to just nail the fundamentals. It's it's Instagram ads that are sort of peripheral, you know. Um, so before you you spend money on a new cockpit for your bike or you know the the nice the, those arm cups, which you know I support those the air on the aero bars the you know, the, the tri-rig mm-hmm. arm, arm cups, like you don't need to be worrying about that until you're riding <laughs> four or five hours, at least on the bike, like get your fitness at least to a good sort of fundamental level before concerning yourself with, with those. It's like, stop scrolling and looking for, for three speed, just get on your bike and, and, and nail it. It's okay. If you're on your bike, on your phone, looking for, uh, assuming you're on your trainer, looking at how <laughs> to optimize your bike setup, but, uh, you know, let's all just focus on the fundamentals in the off season. Absolutely. One other thing too, and the the people that are the most consistent, I believe you can, it's the, they're, they're the easiest athletes to help with a, a game plan and a race execution plan, because you know how, how they're going to perform. You know how they're going to respond to different uh, factors of its weather and things like that. And you, you just know that they can do the work. And, um, that's what it's all about. If you know, people have been putting in the work during the off season, you know, they're ready for it during the season. Good point. Yes. Um, the, the most consistent athletes and the athletes who, who do the structured workouts, you know, I've given target paces. We, we, as coaches, we know these athletes better because we have a, a, a better data set on, uh, from which to, to go by and, uh, 
there, there's no question on, on what these athletes can do on race day. Um, so everyone's goal should be to become, you know, one of these consistent athletes who, who, you know, they do the plan and, and that will enable them to have a better race, uh, when the race is, when the season rolls around. Absolutely. Well, any other topics that you want to propose? No, I mean, you know, this, I think this was a good discussion about the off season and, and as everybody wraps up their, their final races of the year, I know that, you know, few of us are targeting Kona this week. So tomorrow, again, like I said, uh, pro women go off and then on Saturday, the, the men and, uh, it, it's, it's exciting. So Mm -hmm. on the big Island here, everything is a buzz. There are many, 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 many triathletes on the Island and, uh, it's fun, but also stressful. And, uh, I'm eager just to sort of hunker down in the, in the Airbnb, relax ahead of the, uh, the big show on, on Saturday. So good luck to everybody as they wrap up their seasons race wisely and dig deep and, uh, and you'll, you'll do well. Well, I am excited to watch and track you on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this week's going to be action packed with the female race taking place tomorrow on Thursday. So for the listeners, we recorded this podcast Wednesday night and, uh, we're going to drop it as soon as we can. But um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us at info at workingtriathlete.com or you can head to our website, which is workingtriathlete.com and you can find more information about coaching and the different tiers that we offer from different coaching experiences to just a club membership. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. And as always, thanks again for listening. We do this podcast for you. And uh, if you could help us out, make sure you do subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and have a great night. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone.